0: Good morning, everybody. Well, it's uh, my privilege and pleasure this morning to welcome Jody and David Pierce to Bethlehem Baptist uh, once again. Um, Thirty years ago oh, 30 years ago, I first um, met David and Jody uh, at an event that was being held in the city here. Uh, it was after the shelter belt festival that was held in Topuke. And uh, in the day, David, you had a big long ponytail, yeah. So um, you've always had way more hair than me. Um, Over the years, we've we've just really been encouraged and strengthened uh, by the ministry that you have led globally called Steiger International. And long before social media got hold of the term global youth culture, uh, David and his team were speaking to us and spending hours and hours in prayer trying to address the needs of a global youth culture. They saw the emergence of a global youth culture long before anybody else did. And they saw the fusion that was happening around the world as different cultures at a younger age were spending way more time uh, connecting with each other and creating a force, a movement that is shaping the world today. And so David, through the ministry with Jody, realized that if they could intercept this global youth culture with the message of the gospel, then the world could change. I was in Poland... um, back around about 12 years ago, and happened to see the band No Longer Music playing at Slot Festival. And uh, in this old wrecked castle was an amazing venue. And uh, see over 400 young people respond to Jesus as a response to the message that they brought that night. And so I know throughout the world, around the world for decades now, their ministry has seen thousands of people respond to the message of Jesus. And so today, um, as part of our regular connection with David and Jody, uh, we welcome him back here, them back here, and, uh, and this is uh, an occasion for us where just once, usually only once a year, we invite people to bring a love offering for this ministry. And so, Bob, before you leave today, um, why don't you make that sacrificial effort to bring something extra to be able to bless this ministry as it goes around the world? So, I'm going to leave you with that. But for now, I just want you to put your hands together and uh, welcome David to our stage. Thank you, David. <laughs>
1: so good to be here. It's uh, like coming home. This is like, this is not like, this is our home church here in in New Zealand. And I'm really excited because I have my wife Jody with me. She hasn't been here for a while. And so Jody, do you want to stand up? Stand up, Jody, stand up. So yes, yes, I, I do have a wife. I haven't been making that up. And our crazy local Steiger team is here. Do you guys want to stand up? So, over there. And we are chemically free. Um, I just want to I want to say uh, how um, how blessed we are by Bethlehem Church. This Craig and Michaela, we've known each other for a long, long time, and and uh, we are so. Grateful for the love and support that Jody and I have received and our, our mission. And I know many of you pray for us and support us financially. And uh, it, I'm just so grateful. I, I don't know what else to say about that except that I'm grateful. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have some books here. You know, if you haven't read any of my books, I don't know why there's something wrong with you. Uh, and my books are not for sale, so you can just take one if you like. Uh, This one is Rock Priest, this explains how the ministry started, talks about crazy stuff that we've gone through over these years. In January, I've been in full-time ministry for 40 years, and uh, we have now, Jody and I have seven grandchildren, and both of our sons are working with our ministry, and uh, I turned 66 this year, and so I'm very old. If I die while I'm speaking... It's, it's not from the coronavirus, it's just because I'm so old. And this, this is revolutionary 10 principles that will empower Christian artists to change the world. Uh, again, it's not about how do you practice your guitar, but what if for every hour you spent practicing your guitar, you spent another hour seeking Jesus, what would happen then? Or what gives you authority on stage is what you do off stage and about lifting up the power of the cross anyway, you need to get this book. Like I said, it's, you can steal one if you like. This is one my son Ben wrote, Jesus in the Secular World. You know, we live in this secular, secularized uh, world today where people have rejected truth and now it's all about feeling. So, so today I feel like a man, tomorrow I feel like a woman. And because my sex is not determined by my biology, but it's determined by, by feelings. So if you say that at a university here in New Zealand, People will not laugh at you because that is the reality we live in today. It's a very serious thing, and we need to know how do we bring Jesus to them, people that would never come to a church. And so I encourage you to get this book and also this book, Global Youth Culture, which was written by our European director, which explains more about how do you, how do you bring Jesus to this demographic that is so lost and but yet so open to Jesus And we're gonna be passing out these clipboards so you can sign up and get our newsletter if you haven't received that yet. It's really nice of the church to let us do that because most churches, if I ask, they say no, and then no one signs up. And that's why I'm wearing the same shirt now that I did when I first met Craig 25 years ago. So now, because I keep saying, oh, you need to come and see what we're doing. I'm, I'm always going, oh, you gotta come and see what we're doing. And no one ever does. So what we thought is, what what we have to do is we have to have a short-term opportunity. Am I saying that right? A short opportunity for you to come so that you don't have to be all freaked out. You can come for a short time and then you can go off to Prague or something. So here, we're gonna show those real
2: quick. You wanna show those short-term opportunities. I believe God is raising up a new missionary movement to reach this lost generation for Jesus. We've seen some exciting growth in our mission around the world with bold men and women desperately seeking God, creatively bringing the gospel to thousands of young people every year and investing in discipleship relationships with people who have never been part of a church, bridging the gap between the church and the global youth culture. We're praying for an unstoppable move of God marked by the clear, unashamed, unreserved, revolutionary preaching of the good news on every street, university, club, festival, every corner of our cities. And you can be part of that. We want to invite you to join our 2020 stiger Impact Actions. It's a short-term opportunity where you can join our STiger teams around the world to impact global cities. In June, we have a Steiger Impact Action reaching Amsterdam. In July, we'll have three days Impact in Kiev, Ukraine. In August, the Steiger Impact invites you to join our Polish team to go to the Poland Rock Festival, the largest open-air festival in Europe, and participate in the two-day Global Youth Summit in East Germany. In September, we'll be reaching Central London with the Steiger Mission School. So join us at one of these, or all of them, to find out more at our Steiger website and follow us on social media.
1: And also we have a weekly podcast that you should check out. Uh, we have, uh, again, it's about how do, you, how do you reach people in this, this uh, secularized uh, world that we live in today. You know, I was in Japan recently, and everyone on the subway, they're walking around like this. You know, they have their phones in front of them. And uh, you, when you get on the, when you're on the subway, everyone is very close to each other, but no one talks. It's like everyone is just staring at their phone. And it's like an alien came and took out everyone's brains and they're just like staring at these phones. And so um, how do you communicate in a world that's becoming more and more isolated? You know, I talked to someone in Auckland and they are saying there's all these people now living alone. You know, they're 30, 40 years old, living all alone in, in these apartments. And so I have this epidemic of loneliness that comes from this idea that it's all about me. So I need to look about after myself. It's all about me and myself. And so that's what you end up. You end up alone with yourself. Online destroyed, raised on pornography. It's a really, really uh, new world we live in today. And so, you need to, if you want to know more how to engage with this culture, check out our podcast. We had uh, recently, we had Dr. Timothy Keller, who wrote a book, "Reason for God." We've had Todd White, Brian Ed Welsh from Corn is a regular contributor. We've had um, we have many, many crazy guests on there. So check out our our. Provoke and Inspire podcast, and also maybe you should consider coming to the SMS, uh, which is a a, uh, twice a year, it's a 10-week school in an old communist agricultural center in East Germany, and uh, we have people coming from how many countries, 20, hundreds, Jody said. She says, I exaggerate, but we have, she's always saying, I exaggerate. So like I'll say, there is 90 people. And she'll go, no, David, there's really 87. So (laughs) uh, anyway, so you need to come, check that out. You know, you can't just come, you have to apply and we'll probably not accept some of you, but you can still try. So one day I was on a plane and I was looking out the window and it looked like a field of diamonds. I was unbelievable. I thought it was a small plane, okay? I was looking out the plane and there's like this field of diamonds. And so I asked the pilot, can you turn the plane around so he can see what that is? And he goes, yeah, what is that? It was amazing. So he turned the plane around and instead of a field of diamonds, we discovered that it was a junkyard and it was the sunlight reflecting off the junk. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because that, that's what the world offers us. You know, it looks like diamonds. It looks beautiful, but really it's trash because the only real riches come from Jesus. I mean, here we have the one who created the universe, the ultimate life force, God himself, sent his son Jesus to rescue us so that we could know him again. And then he doesn't just rescue us, but then he says, Now I wanna use your life to turn the world upside down. I didn't just rescue you, I wanna use your life to turn the world upside down. God does not produce normal. You know, God doesn't produce normal in people. When you have this encounter with this Jesus that I'm talking about, you have to live a different kind of life. Jesus said in John 14:12 that if we follow him we will do even greater things than he did to bring glory to the father. Then Jesus said this before he was taken into heaven. He said this to all of us in Matthew 28:19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name, like we just saw here this morning, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes, Jesus said, go now. Go into all the nations, baptizing, making disciples. But then Jesus says in Matthew nine thirty-seven, Jesus said that there's a great harvest and there are few workers. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. He tells us to go, but there's a great harvest and few workers. Why? Luke 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats led there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Okay, so here's Peter, right? He's a business owner. He has his own boat. And Jesus, he knew Jesus wasn't just another person. You know, he heard him, he saw him heal. He heard him teach. He called him master. And then... Jesus comes up to Peter and says, Peter, can I use your boat? Now, can I, I'm not sure, but my guess is Peter thought pretty special about himself, don't you think? It's like, there's all these fishermen. He wasn't the only one. And who did Jesus choose? He chose him. And so he probably thought, Jesus must look at me and go, I want this guy on my team. You know, Jesus wants a, a good team. He saw me, he's impressed. So, yeah, man, use my boat. So the teacher wants to use my boat. So they're out, you know, and Jesus is teaching. I think Peter felt pretty important, you know, being there, you know, that Jesus was using his boat. And then after Jesus uh, had spoken for a while in verse four, he says, Hey, Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. It's like, Jesus, stay in your area. I mean, you are a great spiritual teacher. I am a fisherman. I know about fishing. And we couldn't catch fish all night. You don't catch fish in the middle of the day. You don't catch fish in the deep water. But, You know, Peter says, all right, you know, but because you say so, we'll let down the nets. So I think he's kind of patronizing Jesus. And he said, okay, Jesus, if you say so, we'll let down our nets. So in verse six, when they did this, they started to catch so many fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled up both boats and both boats began to sink. And when Peter saw this, he fell. It says that he fell amongst the fish. He fell before Jesus. And he said, Jesus, go away from me. I am a sinful man. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't know if it was, I think three weeks ago, I'm not sure how long ago, but we had, you know, when we we're in New Zealand, we live in Kapiti, Kapiti Coast, and there was an earthquake. And uh, it was, uh, it wasn't, you know, it was a 5.5, but what made it scary was how noisy it was. It was at night, at 11.30 at night, and it felt like like a, a freight train was coming from the sea. You could hear this, like a freight train coming from the sea, going through our house. And then the house began to shake. And I was, you know, we have friends who live in Sumner in Christchurch, who were, you know, during the big earthquakes they had in Christchurch. And my friend told me, he said, yes, yeah, sometimes when they had the big quakes, he said it literally felt like a train, a big freight train was going through the center of our house. And I think when Peter saw these fish, you know, in the boat, it wasn't like, oh, look at all these fish. It was like this earthquake. You know, it's like the mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of his name. It was like the creator himself. This wasn't just some teacher. This is this Jesus. He has power over nature. He was a, he was he was overwhelmed by the power of this. It wasn't just like a nice oh look at now we have all these fish. When he saw who, this who, Jesus, this Jesus and his authority over the very seas itself, he was he was shaken. It was like in our neighborhood. You know, people were talking on the community page. There they're saying when this the sound of this earthquake came through our house. It was like the creator himself. You could feel his power. And this was the power. This was the power that Peter felt. And so he, he was afraid of Jesus. Now, isn't it interesting? I think it's interesting. When Peter was confident in the boat, you know, it was not when he heard his calling, when When Peter heard his calling, it was when he was on his knees saying, Jesus, depart from me. I don't deserve to be in your presence. Then he heard God speak. And Jesus said, don't be afraid from now on. You will fish for people. You will catch people, not fish. And I think at this point, Peter, Probably thought to himself, Really? Me? You're calling me? I don't even deserve to be around you. You are so holy. You are so powerful. You wanna call me? You see, you gotta get that because then verse 11 makes sense. It makes sense when you understand this because in verse 11 it says, they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. They pulled their boats on shore and left everything and followed him. That's why the extreme response. From Peter, And you'll notice here that Jesus did not give Peter a backup plan. Peter, keep your business and you can be my disciple on the weekends. And maybe you can do my, be a short-term disciple during the summer and go on one of those Steiger trips. Jesus' demand on Peter was extreme, it was crazy obedience. And it has always been this way. It's always been this way. Jesus said, if you follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. He said it was a narrow road. It's always been all or nothing, 100%. And it's not about success. One of the guys that mentored me when I was a young man, Arthur Blessed, he said to me, David, Jesus did not tell me to succeed. He just told me to obey. It's not even about success. Why? Why? Why would I do something like this? Well, what else can I do when I get this encounter? When this Jesus stands before me you see, Jesus is a great treasure you find in the field. So you find out, you know, just outside of, uh, you know, Tauranga here, there's a field for sale and there's an oil well in it. No one knows but you millions and millions of dollars worth of oil is in that field. So what do you do? You sell your house. You, you take out the biggest loan you can from the bank. You sell everything you own. You, buy, you borrow money from your friends because you know that if you buy that field, you're gonna have this oil well worth millions and millions of dollars. That isn't what it is. That's why you do this crazy kind of stuff. It's priceless. Like, I was uh, one of the guys we have on a regular contributor in our podcast, Brian Head Welsh from Corn. His band, he's the guitarist from, for those of you that don't know Corn, Corn was one of the, in the 90s for sure, one of the biggest bands in the world. And they're still quite uh, big, but back then they were like really one of the biggest bands in the world. And he had every, Brian told me, we had everything, everything that the world told us should make you happy, fame, success, everything. And he said it was empty and worth nothing. It's like the Apostle Paul, highly educated, Pharisee, high position, Roman citizen. And this is what he says. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Philippians 3:8. You see it's about finding true purpose, true meaning in a world that is more and more empty, more and more lost. It's about being not being a slave but being free. When you meet Jesus everything changes. When you meet Jesus, he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, he looks at me and he goes, David, you're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're my son, you're my daughter. I didn't give my, I didn't give my life for garbage. I gave my life for something valuable. You're not, you are so valuable, I send my son to die for you. And then he, Jesus says, okay, now follow me. One of the, we have missionaries all over the world now in Steiger, and one of our missionaries from Russia, her name is Veronica, and she was um, being uh, poised to be the possible new, new, next prime minister, or sorry, minister of education in Russia, all right? This really bright young girl, she's had this job in the government in Russia and she was being primed to be the next minister of education in Russia. She has this encounter with Jesus. What does she do? She quits this prestigious position and she she goes and she's a part-time nanny for some rich people so that she can fulfill her calling to be a missionary in Steiger. And it's my goal that she can be full-time, and all she needs is a thousand euros a month to do it. So I think there's somebody here that needs to help Veronica. Maybe you need to do that. But recently she was in Crimea preaching on the street with a team there. She got arrested by the police. She was held in by the police for like three, four hours, something like that. Bold, radical, woman making it a difference all over the Russian speaking world. But you know what? Her family, her Christian family really gave her a hard time when she did this. They're like, Veronica, are you sure? Come on, you have this really important job. This isn't, you, should you really be doing this? Or it's like when one of our other missionaries, he's from Beirut. His name is George. And a couple weeks ago, he contacted Jody and he's going, could you pray for me? Because I feel called to missions, but my Christian family, they're saying to me, be normal, get a normal job. So many of our radical young missionaries around the world find the greatest opposition to their calling to missions coming from their Christian parents, not from the world, not from the challenge of going and doing this this difficult thing that God is asking them to do, the greatest opposition they face comes from their Christian parents. I can remember when our oldest son, Aaron, came to me and he had been, you know, af- after he finished university, he got a job in this company and the, the guy who, the head of the company really liked him and wanted to, him to be like his right-hand man. He came, my, and so my son, Aaron, came, came to me and he goes, dad, I feel like God is calling me to, to missions. And I'm like, but Aaron, God can use people in business too. Cause I was hoping he would keep that job and be able to support me. <laughs> and I felt so ashamed so convicted? Do I want my son to have a successful business or do I want him to be a world changer for Jesus? How many in the church encourage their children not to have radical faith? I mean, God isn't calling you to do something crazy. Is he? You know, my my mom came up to me and this is some years ago and she goes, David, I framed your life verse. You know, for Christmas, she said, I wanna give you your life verse. And it was all wrapped up, you know, Christmas present. And first of all, I didn't know I had a life verse. So I was excited. You know, I thought, oh, I'm sure it's like the prayer of Jabez, you know. God wants to enlarge my tent, doesn't ever want anything to go wrong and I'll have lots of money. The prayer of Jabez, I thought that's my, that's my mother, right? So I unwrap it and I read it. And it said, this was what she said, David, this is what my, dad, my mom and dad gave me as my life verse. Acts 20, 22 through 24 Would you not want to give that verse to your kids? If I could only live up to my mother's, my mom and dad's life verse for my life. You see, when Peter left his boat, he he left security behind. He took a great risk. And in Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where there's there a Christianity that requires no faith is fake. And a faith without Holy Spirit led risks is fake and powerless. But it is the only way that I will find passion. It is the only way that I'll feel that hunger that is in my soul. And I will only experience the extraordinary life I was called to live if I take Holy Spirit led risks. Why is there a great harvest and there are few workers? I think it's because few leave their boats on the shore. I will follow you after I have everything worked out, after all the money is raised, when everything's, everything is sustainable. But I think what's more today, it's more this, more common today is, you know, Jesus, I'll go with you for a week or two every year, but then of course I have to go back to my fishing business. So the world burns and all the followers of Jesus go fishing. And is it because God calls a very few to go? Or could it be we're we're refusing to leave our boats on the shore? Maybe following Jesus means you actually have to follow Jesus. Yes, some are called to own businesses. Absolutely, there are people here in this church, I know, who are gifted at making money. And you're supposed to make lots of it. So you can support people like Veronica, not so you can buy another boat or keep up in your lifestyle. You're, you, God is giving you this gift, but it's to support the Great Commission. And if you have a job, if you have a normal job, it's to support the Great Commission. It's like a Jordy and I had a friend in Amsterdam. He was a he was a security guard at a supermarket, a grocery store. Every day he went to work. Who am I gonna pray for at work today? Who am I gonna lead to Jesus, you know, today? He was on a mission. He wasn't just going to work. He was, his job was part of fulfilling the great commission. Jesus does not call anyone to just be normal in society and seek the world's empty lies. He has called every follower of Jesus to fulfill the great commission. He commands us to go to the entire world and preach the gospel, to do something extraordinary. And he doesn't offer us a backup plan. Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of heaven. But let me tell you, this is when you have a life worth living because you're not settling for trash, sunlight reflecting off trash. You find true riches, true true gold, something that the reason you were created is the thing that you're longing for. It's like, this is it. This is why I'm here. This is why God has put me on this planet. So, Let's leave our boats on the shore. You know, let's leave our boats on the shore. And it's, it's not something you can do, you do one time. You have to kind of keep making those choices your whole life. The older I get, the, the more excuses I can come up with why I, I can just, you know, I can be in the boat and let other people, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can let other people do, this, do it, and I can just, no, nah, not really. I don't want to be in the boat. Why would I ever want to, want to do that? But I think some of us do, and I think some of us need to give our kids to the Lord. <coughs> Encourage our kids, our grandkids, to have radical faith. And get behind them so they can do it. Not make it difficult for them, but make it easy for them to make that choice if God calls them so if you feel like convicted not condemned but convicted I'd like you to just come up here and we'll pray and we'll say Lord we we want to we don't want to have our boats on the shore or we want to leave our boats on the shore we want to follow you and we give our families to you as well Lord call my grandkids call my my kids call them Lord We need more missionaries. We need more missionaries. Yes, we need people to have normal jobs, but don't we need more missionaries? Even in our own country? Don't we need more people like that? Wouldn't God wanna send more people here? So if you need to respond, just come up here, just stand with me and we'll just make this commitment before Jesus this morning. I don't know how much time I have, am I right? So just come if you need to come. you need to respond just come up here with with us just come need to come stand with us slay jesus we want to leave our boats on the shore we want to follow you we don't know what that means exactly some of us but you will show us but i don't want to waste any more time lord give me a piece of your broken heart jesus anyone else need to come Maybe we can kneel together. If you can't kneel, that's okay, but if you can't, we can kneel. Here we are, Lord, here I am, Jesus, kneeling before you. And I just wanna tell you, Jesus, I, I want I I want you completely. Lord, I I want to live out my life first, Lord. I want to have your heart. I want to see things through your eyes. I want to play my part. I want to play the role that you've asked me to play. Because you are our true treasures. You are the true treasure, Lord. You are nothing the world has to offer us compares to you, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. They will know what role that you want them to play. For those who are standing, those who are kneeling, those who are sitting, Lord, speak to all of us. And let us do our part in fulfilling the great commission of making disciples to all the nations. And Lord, I pray for just a new... Just a new uh, radicalness in BBC, Lord, like they've never seen before. Like they've never seen before. Something new, not something that you've done in the past, but something new, something supernatural.
0: Because
1: I know that's what they've been crying out for, Lord. And I pray for some of us who are parents here, grandparents, that we will pray for our kids. that we will not make it difficult for them to take radical steps of faith, but that we will support them in it, that we will create a culture where people can hear the call and follow you in this way. And I know that you are going to show us and you are going to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, thank you, David. We appreciate what you've brought and how it is that you bring it. Um, I don't think we can leave today without responding in some form. I know the few folks here have responded by coming to the front. But um, a message like this touches us because it reminds us of the fact that God calls us and He recalls us. It's about allowing God to refresh that call of God upon our lives, to go to our neighbors, even our our non-Christian families, uh, people down the street, people in the neighboring town, across the world. And so, as this team, as our music team plays now, um, I'd just like you to, I'd just like to invite you to, to pray with each other. Keep it, keep it simple, but just pray with regards to um, the, the leaving of the nets, um, the giving up, whatever needed to give up. And uh, that that refreshing of that call to, to a radical faith that every one of us is capable of having by having the word of Jesus the name of Jesus on our lips yeah we know that the gospel is offensive we've got to live with that as it always has been always will be and yet we're called to bring that point of difference to our world to glorify God so just as the team plays I'd just like you to just take those moments to um, pray together with somebody, maybe there's somebody you don't know. You came on your own. That's okay. Uh, we, we've got a, a real unity in the message what we heard this morning, uh, and just ask God to refresh what it is that He is calling you to. Okay, and I, I'm just going to see the service finish at that point. Um, I also like to remind you, of course, though, that we we do we do want to sponsor. Steiger, we do want to create an opportunity for this love offering to be taken up for the ministry. So, um, if you want to, if you got cash, you can put it in the uh, deposit boxes that we have on the outside. Are oh, you going to take up an offering? Eh? Even better. All right. And there's Fpos out the back. So um, we'll have a big queue there. That'd be great. But uh, now um, the time is yours. I want you to pray, and uh, and look forward to seeing you tonight. Now, when you finish praying coffee as usual prayer up the front if you need it but uh, David's here again tonight so God bless you